five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond with your host, Justin. But before we get started, how was your geek week? And co-hosts, Dan and Jason. You have to be willing to let the dice help you tell the story. Okay, look, this year, I'm going to stop mispronouncing words. Join us as we cover board games to war games and beyond. And welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I'm your host, Justin. We have got a great show for you. It might be a little short, won't it, Lincoln? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Stunty for sure. <laughs> uh, as you can notice, or as you can tell, uh, Jason and Dan are both out today, but I am joined by one of our favorite guest hosts, Lincoln Tidwell. Welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. And uh, you had a great idea the other day that we should dedicate this show all dwarves. And I think it's because you had dwarves on the brain, though. Right. Where's the love for the stunties, right? They need their own their own episode. Definitely. You're only you're only saying this because you're about ready to go to a tournament with a bunch of dwarves. All dwarves. That's true. All dwarves. All the time. And you were all really pumped about it when we were playing the other day. Right. That's right. I was. I was pumped about that W, too. <laughs> Barely W. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, we've got a great show. We're going to be talking about dwarves, dwarvish lore, our favorite dwarves, our favorite dwarf movies, our favorite dwarf RPGs. Uh, we're, this is the dwarf show, so right. you're probably going to hear us say that word a lot. And we're definitely going to be talking about some dwarf army lists. Yes. Definitely. Yes, we are. Definitely going to talk about that. So, to kick us off, though, Lincoln, how was your geek week, buddy? Oh, pretty good. Um I've had a pretty technology-focused geek week. I spent three days, four days this week for nine hours a day doing AWS training for work. Oof. And then I'm also doing um, some uh, calculus and some Python in my spare time for fun. So, yeah, my wife says, I feel like you've used your brain more in the last six months and you've used it for a really long time. And like I your whole life? That, yeah, I didn't know if that was like a compliment or like a terrible thrashing that she just gave me. But um, I'm also, I will be spending this weekend uh, getting ready for the Du Bois tournament uh, next week. I've got to get a Kazrai completely built and painted and then touch up some of my executioners that are going to be in a in a partner list with a buddy of mine. And so, Du Bois starts what, next Thursday? Uh, Friday. 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 Yep. Is it a Friday-Saturday tournament? It's a Friday team tournament. Oh. And then it's a Saturday, Sunday uh, individuals tournament. So you're going up with the team that day? I'm going up for Thursday morning, actually, to yeah. help with some of the terrain setup. Okay. And then I'll be playing Friday with uh, a buddy of mine named Will. He's playing Stormcast, and I'm bringing a cities list with a dragon and some nice. executioners and some fun stuff. And then the following day, it's all dwarves all weekend. So you're going to be playing eight games over three days. That's what it's going to be. It's going to Sounds be a good. lot of Warzammer. Are you driving back on Monday? Sunday night. Sunday night. Sunday okay. afternoon-ish night, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, what, a six-hour drive up there? Yeah, it's like a six and a half, yep. So, That's not terrible. Nah, I'll get home by midnight probably for sure. Because it's just, it's just two games on Sunday, and they tend to wrap pretty well. Uh, du Bois, uh, the, team, the, the individual tournament anyways is 
run by Josh Keel, and he does a really good job of getting us in, getting us happy, and getting us out. So, I was talking on our last Talking Warhammer episode that uh, Du Bois has really grown in popularity over the last couple of years. Uh, it started out kind of small, but uh, I know a lot more people that are going up more often. Yep. It's, a, so, it's a they sell out. They sell yeah. out. Um, just a set. Second year in a row, I know they've sold out. Last year, I didn't get to go. I had some family stuff going on. Yeah. But um, I'm really excited about going back. I got to get up there one of these times. <laughs> I got the uh, last time I went to Du Bois, I got a favorite opponent. Oh, nice. I, I took uh, Star Drake and Gotrek. It was like a joke army. I was like, I'm taking a dwarf and a dragon. I <laughs> got <laughs> favorite opponent. That's so, funny. Pretty funny. Pretty funny. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I too, Lincoln, was learning to code this week, except my focus was on JavaScript. Mm. So What's I've that? been um, taking a course from uh, Udemy. Udemy? I don't know you how dumb. you say it. You dummy. You the dummy. <laughs> you the dummy. <laughs> you dummy. Um, but I've been taking a kind of a, like an online course there to learning how to uh, code. You and I have talked, uh, you know, outside of the podcast about uh, building an app for um our warcry game so i am kind of learning how to code the front end of that so that everything will work right and buttons will work when they get pushed and things like that because i think that the uh the game is in desperate need of an app and i reached out to games workshop to talk to them about it and they just basically like just stiff armed me so they're like yeah that's not really something we're interested in right now thank you though bye I'm like, all right, well, I'll like, just build yeah, it myself. I think what they were doing, actually, they were giving their permission for you to go and go, to go and do. That's that's exactly what think I heard. About, <laughs> think about it like that. They're like, you know what? This isn't for us, but, you know, that means you it know, must if, be for you. If, so. if, if somebody wants to do this, just not us. Right. You know, that might be interesting. Yeah. Uh, I noticed they didn't give me explicit permission, but I took it as totally, you know, implicit permission. Definitely. You know. So, um, but anyway, so I've been, I've been focused on that. It's been really interesting. My brother, uh, he codes quite a bit. I mean, that's like what he does for his job. Right. And, um, so, so I was like, dude, what's going on here? And he's like, you missed a comma here. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like <laughs> it's one of those things, you. man, that's where you're fun. just like one little comma, or if you use a comma instead of a semicolon, like it just, uh, I gotta get used to it. Yep. You know? So, what are you using to program in? What, what are you? Um, in? I'm just using uh, what is it? Microsoft Visual Basic Vi Code or oh, Visual Code? Visual or Studio Code. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Visual yeah, that's Studio actually code. great. That's what I use for my Python. So, do that. It's great. It's it, it's really good. So I can probably help you a little bit with that if you get stuck. So. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So it's been good. The course has been very good. Um, it, it's you know taking you through basic like step by step. So is it a free course or is it something you had to pay for? It was something I had to pay for, but my company kind of gave me a little stipend to get a year membership from Udemy, and nice. so that was free in the membership. Awesome. So yeah, so it's pretty good. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about for my Geek Week is, I don't know if you've seen this, Lincoln, on Netflix, they have this show called Guillermo de Toro's um, uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. Yes, I actually added it to my favorite. To my, I added it to my list yeah. last night. Okay, so I watched I the first seen it episode. Yet, but I added it to my list. Yeah, I watched the first episode today. And it's legit, dude. It's really? really good. I, I, the first episode, I'm like, I'm in. You son of a gun, I'm in. 
<laughs> nice. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. Guess what I'm doing after our after our uh, little talk here. Yeah, and like each episode's only like thirty minutes, maybe. I'm gonna go forty minutes, three or four of them. Then. Yeah, like it's there, uh, and the and they gave a preview at the first one, and I'm like, all of these look really good. Like they look really good. So um, I'm a sucker too for anthologies. Like I'm a big fan, like of um, like short story anthologies, like where you have like um. Oh, George R. R. Martin, who wrote. Yeah. Uh, I've never been who... much for dinosaur bones. <laughs> yeah, <just>, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, George R. R. Martin. He, um, you know, he was the writer of Game of Thrones. But when he wasn't writing his last few books, he was editing um, some of these anthologies, and like one of them was about like uh, magic, or another one was like a horror one, and um, you know, just these famous people were writing just these little short stories that are centered on that theme and like i just really love like when you kind of give somebody like a, a group of people like sort of a writing prompt or an idea and then they all take it in very different ways you know so um i'm very excited for this show i i'm awesome. very excited and it's very lovecraftian too so if you like uh, call of cthulhu or anything cthulhu like this is the show for you for sure i like that lovecraft thing it was on hbo it just got kind of weird and it wasn't long enough and then they didn't do a second season so yeah well i mean it kind of ended where it ended it was based off of a book believe it or not i don't know if you've seen that book before but um my my i think i said this on the show before my issue with that show is it was very heavy on the kind of um racial undertones of the day and not enough heavy on the lovecraftian stuff like that show was best when it was leaning yeah that show was best when it was leaning heavy into the lovecraft stuff yep i agree i still thought it was great i thought yeah it was i I wish there was a second season i totally would have binged it like i binged the first so yep yeah but that's okay yeah yeah let once you get that those uh lovecraftian tentacles wrapped around you hard to let go right hard to let go yeah. I have to admit I've seen some things on Netflix and Amazon for Lovecraftian shows that I'm not not necessarily proud of watching. <laughs> the quality of some of those shows is terrible, dude. It's terrible. That's and awesome. like the the budget for models is like way out of you know, it's out the window. They got none. So it's like family friends, I think. It's pretty bad. You see like the wires in there with like janky things and so terrible. terrible. So funny. So funny. So, uh, yeah, very good, very good. Well, uh, very, sh- very short Geek Week for us because there's only two of us. But um, there are some interesting items of geek news this week. The first one that I want to – actually, I'm going to save that first one for the last. The first becomes the last, Lincoln. Um, the, the first one that I'm going to talk about is that late pledges are still open for the Dungeon Delver's Guide. Now, if you're not super familiar with what this is – um, it is a uh, 300 page source book to use with 5e um, and level up advanced fifth edition um, and it contains everything you need to create compelling and deadly mazes and lairs so like this is all about making amazing dungeons to dive through um, I think there's a bunch of guides out there like this but the thing that made me very interested about this one is that it's created by en publishing which is the same people who are behind the any awards which is basically all the board game tabletop gaming rpg awards mm. that happen every year at gen con so this is the uh 
yeah, so this is the uh, the their book, basically kind of their dungeon guide um, on how to build great dungeons. And so, uh, what one of my issues with I think a lot of dungeons that people play in is that they're pretty generic. I mean, like you just kind of like wander through and things like that. And so I I like the idea of having a very good guide of how to just like focus on that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that um, <laughs> sometimes the uh the dungeons you end up with you end up like labeling like big room one big room two big right room, you know what i mean like yep um tavern or armory you know what i mean and as you're walking through guys just kind of it ends up being a very generic dungeon crawl right for sure yep yep so i think uh you know where you can come up with some and sometimes the trap locations are pretty obvious right <laughs> where you're like okay well uh i'm going to look for traps you know, so <laughs> I got a funny thing. So I kind of did it on purpose. So I, I uh, run a. I'm in the middle of a little campaign right now. I think as we've done our four shot, maybe it'll be five. We'll be done. But I threw a treasure chest in the water, mm -hmm. and I put it by some rocks who would be hidden, uh, so that my players would have to look for this on a BTT, right? So okay. they kind of have to look for it. And if they didn't say anything, they were going to just go right on by it with their boat that they were in, right? Yeah. And one of my players says, "Oh, look, you guys, a treasure chest." And the other three had not seen it at all. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. And then Scooter, who has been on here, he was, he's in the group, and he says, I want to jump out of the boat and get the treasure chest. And I said, are you sure? Like, you're going <laughs> to jump in the water and go grab a treasure chest? And he says, yes. And so I tell them all to roll initiative as a giant octopus comes out of the rocks and goes to defend his treasure chest and almost almost uh, TPKs them. It's pretty nice. awesome. It was awesome. It was very great. Nobody <laughs> died, but it got really close. So Yeah. So there you go. That's funny. Watch out That's for funny. traps. They're not all so obvious. Yeah, and uh when you're a party that uh is known for just basically chasing the shiny things, that's when the DM gets to have some fun. Right. It was so you know? good, dude. Like, it's I like was you literally totally walked it, into it. It took us like, I don't know, maybe almost an hour to get through that encounter and it was really funny because it was not even on the menu. You know, it was totally oh, yeah. up to them. If they saw it, we could do it. If not, we were just going to go on by it, you know. And it was really so what fun. was in the treasure yeah. chest? Oh, I'd have to look it up. Um, I don't recall at the moment, but it was pretty it good It would have been hilarious if it was empty. Like <laughs> like the, the octopus just liked the chest. That's hilarious yeah. if it was empty. That's <laughs> terrible. I, I didn't do that. I, I gave them, I think it was a scroll and some uh, these special uh, underdark purple gems that they're currently searching for oh nice 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 yeah yeah uh, should maybe there should have been octopus baby eggs laid in there mm. you know that's why the mom was defending it so bit so voraciously Could've and been. then and then they feel so bad that they just killed the mom of all these babies right and there was a bunch of dwarven in the cave too so you never know right back to our stunties here <laughs> that's right so that's right all right so um the other item, news item is that um uh, Warhammer 40k, the Dark Tide game that's coming out from Fat Shark Games. Uh, it's coming out on PC, Xbox, um, uh, on the Xbox, and I believe on PlayStation as well. Uh, so this game, it uh, is coming out November 30th, but they just dropped a new cinematic trailer. Have you seen that one yet, Lincoln? I have not. Oh, dude, nope. it's it's legit. Like it's one of those. Like, mm -hmm. do you remember when like the recent um, Space Marine trailer came out for the mm -hmm, game? Mm -hmm. Yep. And you're just like, dude, that was really good. Right. Um, yep. 
yeah, this one's like right up there with it too, where mm. you're just like, oh, like it just sucks you into the lore of 40k. I love the 40k lore. Jeff's not a fan of the game right now, but you know that's okay. Oh, I I'm a super fan of the lore. I actually I like Kill Team a lot more than 40k, because yeah. um, the skirmish game it's pretty easy and you just yeah. don't. I, I don't know. 40k right now is just not not singing to me. Um, but the lore of 40k is like second to none, dude. I don't, I don't know a game that has better lore than 40k right now. Right. So, yeah. but anyway, the siren song of 40k is more likely to make me want to drown myself than to actually play. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you familiar with this game, Dark Tide? I'm not. I am not. So, that's did you ever play Vermintide? I did. Yeah. Yep. You bet. So I mean, we is... have it on Xbox and on PC, I think. Yeah. So, so this is Vermintide 40k style. So you've got like power hammers, las guns, bolters, like that could be fun. Oh, it looks amazing, and you're just like battling off hordes of chaos, and like demon spawn and all that stuff. So it's been like so. four years since, for five years since Vermintide came out, and GW's just getting the reskin done. Good job, guys! <laughs> right? <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> uh, but it looks good though, uh, and the mechanics. I mean, it looks super smooth. The mechanics and graphics look amazing in it. So, um, do you have the Xbox Games Pass? I do actually. I got it well, for you. That's some right. Game, some game you were playing. I don't think we ever played, but I've had it for like a year, and I've been paying for it. So that's fine. Well, that's good. It's good that you're paying for it because it comes out on November 30th, and we're gonna get on it together, and we're gonna play. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Because it's, it's a day one drop. It's a day one drop on Xbox Games Pass. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So that'll be a lot of fun to play over the I'm holidays. Uh, yeah. So the other one that uh, last point that I wanted to make, this was this made huge waves yesterday. I don't know if you saw this, Lincoln, but Atomic Mass Games, who took over all of the Star Wars miniature games. So they have like Armada, X-Wing, mm-hmm. uh, Legion, like they do all those. Uh, they just announced yesterday that they would be uh, fielding a skirmish game and it's calling it star wars shatterpoint um, did you see the trailer for that no i haven't you should be giving me links to this as we're I, talking about the, it. the links are in the this document. sounds awesome the links are in the document <laughs> i know i just want everybody to know that you put links okay. in the document uh <laughs> but great. yeah listen it looks really good you, google for our listeners google atomic mass games.com slash shatterpoint it's got like the uh the trailer on there it gives you the announcement like it looks really good, and the minis look amazing, and they look like they'd be a lot of fun to paint. And and I I don't know if they come pre-painted. I don't know anything like about that, but um, I I doubt they do. I have a feeling they're gonna be like the Star Wars Legion. Some of them look like they came straight from Star Wars Legion, hmm. like the heroes, you know. So, mm-hmm. but hmm. they look really good. So you've got um. It, one here is it says the Shatterpoint's game fun and flexible squad build, building experience invites players to create custom strike teams optimized to complete the various mission objectives. Players can choose thematic squads straight from the Star Wars galaxy like Ahsoka Tano, uh, Bo-Katan Kreese, Lord Maul, and his loyal, loyalist super commandos or mix and match their favorite characters to form the custom squads they want to play. So, nice. um, you know, they're going to have like basically a core, like a base core set. And then there'll be like tons of expansions that come out with different people that you can play. So well, you better start talking to the game stores right here. Make sure they're stocking it. Right. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. On it. 
I wonder if it's going to be like... So Atomic Mass Games is also the company that uh, does um, Crisis Protocol. So I wonder if this game is going to be a little bit like Marvel Crisis Protocol in that sense. It, for Star Wars. It seems like... That, that sounds game, awesome, by the way. I know, that game's got and good their, bones. Their stuff all comes unpainted, so that means this stuff will likely come unpainted then. Yeah. Yeah. So I was talking with uh, Devin today, and he's like, I cannot wait to get my hands on some of these. That's awesome. Wait so, yeah. It, this is coming summer of 2023. So you've got uh you've got approximately eight months to get your backlog of painting done so that your table is clear for this. <laughs> I need more than eight months, but we'll see. I know, right? <laughs> Seriously, I have so much that I want to get done. I'm to the point now that I've got so much done that I need to make room so I can paint more and get rid of the stuff that I have painted. But I know. getting rid of means putting in a box for my grandchildren i'm not sure what <laughs> so much stuff and uh, someday right my lineage someday will open up this box of warhammer models and be grateful that their great great grandfather painted them <laughs> i think that's gonna happen because if i sell it you know you always get seller's remorse right you're like oh yeah. i shouldn't have done that so yeah. as Especially much as i would, like... as much as i could see myself getting more in yeah. I, I could buy more models with the money i sell right uh, that I get from selling, but I just can't bring myself to do it. So I'm just like a hoarder, man. It's, it's I know. Greatest I mean, feeling ever. I got a whole bunch of like I got that uh, old corn stormcast battle box like from a long right. time ago, right? Yep. Yep. And um, Jason at one point was interested in getting into corn, so yeah. I was like, I'll sell you this half for seventy dollars or whatever, which was a good deal for the, you know for that yeah. half. And um, He's like, great. So I sold it to him, and then like Warcry comes out, and there's like a whole thing for all those models that they could have been a warband. Oh, and I'm like, man. dang it, could have had a warband <laughs> for seventy bucks. <laughs> I know, I know, and like a good one too, right? In terms of like like a lot of variety, and I'm like, dang it, like that the total seller's remorse right there, you know? Yep. yep. So, yeah, yeah, I get it. But uh, yeah, that Shatterpoint looks really good. I can't wait for us to see more about it. And uh, you said you've played Crisis Protocol before, right? I have never played Crisis Protocol. Okay. I, I bought the starter box. Like, I have it downstairs, I think. Oh. And I've, but I've seen it played. And I've been to Devin's house, Devin Meyer. Yeah. I think Meyer, Mar, Meyer. Yeah. I've been to his house lots of times. And he paints for them. Right. So some of the models that I've seen that are painted are just outstanding, amazing. Um, and I know it's really cool because you can throw the terrain. You can do all kinds yeah. of really great stuff in that game that – if I had a local crowd that played it more, I think I would definitely be into it. In Star Wars, there will be a yeah. local crowd at my game store, so that's exciting. Uh, why have we not played Crisis Protocol yet? I didn't. I don't, know like, you I don't like. I don't like to play games with unpainted minis. Oh uh, yeah. So I, I guess I could drop the box well. at your house, and uh, you can, uh, <laughs> you know, get it painted up, and we can play. This sounds like a pretty good deal. I provide the game, you provide the paint. Just provide, I provide just... the. I provide the W. Just just put it in the backlog, man. <laughs> <laughs> you got eight months ago. Exactly, exactly. All right, well, that's uh, that's all we got for news today. So let's talk about our main topic, buddy. As we let's mentioned talk. before, this will be a short episode Yes. So on our want, Dwarven I've friends. Been, I've been growing a beard since April just for this show. 
I know, I know. I'm looking very dwarfish, by the way, for those of you who don't know me. I've got a pretty big old friggin' beard going. I, Although, and I haven't cut the mustache either, so the mustache is long all the way down. <laughs> so I got this big beard face for dwarves. I was gonna say, although the other day I saw a picture of you and your mustache was kind of curled up, you look like an <laughs> you look like right. an old western villain. Yeah, I went for that. Went as the king of hearts or the king of diamonds for Halloween. Yeah. Anyways, back to dwarves. Back to dwarves. All right, so, so Lincoln, we love dwarves, right? Mm, yes. So much. why do why do we love dwarves so much? So. I love dwarves because I grew up, well, I mean, I think everybody loves dwarves for different reasons. Yeah. But, um, so I wrote, I made some notes, right, about, like, what I think dwarves are, right? Like, kind of, like, their characteristics, right? Yeah. And, like, so dwarves are honorable, right? Generally speaking, like, yes, there's the roguish dwarf occasionally, right? But generally, dwarves are pretty honorable, right? They're not, um, they're very, they, they, uh, they like order, right? Um, uh-huh. They make an oath and they give their word right they're good for it right dwarves have beards so that's yes, they do. definitely a good thing right they're always drinking ale which makes them fun um they like to mine right so they're always mining whether it's yep. jewels gems gold mithril whatever they're going after they like to mine right and i have fond memories as you know a youth playing you know, online games, and I would take my guy to World of Warcraft, and I would just mine for hours and hours. And I was a dwarf, and I was mining, and that was enough. Yeah, didn't even matter what else I did, right? Uh, they they generally are well equipped for war, right? They wear chainmail armor, right? They wear mithril armor, or they run around naked, right? Like the yeah. three best ways to wear armor, right? <laughs> to wear chainmail, <laughs> to wear mithril, to wear none. Yeah, right. They qualify for all of those, right? They are geeks of the week, right? They have they are engineers, right? So right. they're always building, they're improving. Um, they work at forges, they sweat a lot, right? They are around fire and molten and they love it, right? They thrive in that, right? They use gunpowder, right? They have crossbows and they hit things with hammers. Like that's enough. Like take your lore for your stinky elves and get out of here. Like that's all I need for an army is everything that I've just said, right? Honorable guys with beards that wear armor, they use gunpowder, and they hit things with hammers, right? And they fix stuff. They're engineers. That, to me, like, sign me up. I'm all in. Yeah, I mean, if you look at some of the, like, folklore and mythology surrounding dwarves, right? We get a lot of what we believe to be dwarves from Germanic mythology, uh, and Norse mythology, like those are kind of the two main areas where we sort of uh, get them from. And, you know, they, they, it's funny because there's, you know how like in Irish folklore, like if you dive into real Irish folklore, like leprechauns are actually really tall. Mm-hmm. Um, in old Norse like mythology, dwarves actually weren't that short. Um, it wasn't until like later after like Christianity got there and they were kind of thought as like lesser supernatural beings that mm. they were sort of like considered short and ugly. So they were like fire slayers before where they're yeah. kind of tall, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I mean, I think it's kind of interesting because like they are, especially in Norse mythology, they're, they're kind of associated with creation through like metalsmithing, but also death. Um, and so I, I don't know. I think it's, it, 
they they kind of it also says like I'm I'm kind of looking at some Norse mythology here. Um, they also guard like the doorways in the mountains, right? And mm-hmm. that's kind of like considered doorways between worlds, sort of thing. So like they inhabit this area where they've got like one foot in the world and then one foot in the supernatural as well, um, which I think is kind of interesting because you know there's a lot of like. You, you look at these mountains and there's like a lot of, um, I guess, myth and supernaturalness about it, you know? And so the idea that there's these people living under these mountains, mining and creating and engineering and all this stuff is kind of kind of right. like romantic in a way, you know? Right. And they're very aggressive, or they can be, right? Yeah. You know? Yep. Watch out for this this aggressive dwarf right who's like driven by glory you know what i mean like it's just awesome yeah it literally is the best so uh in terms of like actual lore and from like what we know like what is your kind of favorite what's your favorite go-to lore for dwarves Mm. well the dwarven lore that i'm most familiar with right would be like from lord of the rings Uh um from warhammer and from Game of Thrones. I <laughs> go Peter Dinklage, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. The head, he's, the he's king, probably, the he probably is like a top five dwarf, though, just to be straight. Just to be straight with you. I mean, um, you're probably right. You're that's probably pretty right. great. Uh, Peter Dinklage did it on his own, too. That's awesome. So... Um, yeah. So what yeah, do you like? So, of, I mean, we, we're all kind of familiar with, like, the Lord of the Rings dwarves. You know, yeah. like, they... You know Moria and 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 uh, and Dwalin and you know all of that. But um, talk about Age of Sigmar. Like, what what really draws you into that mythology, that lore in Age of Sigmar? Sure, sure. So, well, dwarves in or dwarden, whatever you want to call them, right? Dwarden for those of you who don't know, or what GW calls dwarves, so they could own their IP. <laughs> yeah, right. But exactly. uh, I still call them dwarves, and I spell it with an F because they're dwarves. Yeah. Right. Um. And uh, they are one of the oldest races in the Warhammer world. Um, they used to have their own empire that stretched from Norska in the north uh, to the jungles in the south. And from uh, Mount Silverspear in the east to the Grey Mountains in the west. So they used to have this huge empire, right, in the, in, in the old world of Warhammer. And uh, so as the... The story, right, of the Warhammer world has progressed over the years, for good or bad, right? You find that the dwarves are primarily driven, and I'm going to say this, and most people are going to cringe, by three gods. The first is Grimnir, right? Uh He's like passionate, violent warrior who's also driven by glory and fire and aggression. And uh, those of you that are fans of Fire Slayers, right, that's kind of the god that uh, is kind of their, their mold is made from, right? And then you have uh, Grungni, who is like the artisan craftsman, engineering, mm-hmm. you know, creating weapons of war god. And I would say that he is the god that is gives dwarves their ingenuity, right, their artisanship. Um, and so a lot of like the KO were kind of created or forced forced to being what they are, they are and their creativity of doing things differently from his influence. Yeah. And then you have the third god that is currently influencing the dwarves in the world of Warhammer. And his name is Sigmar, right? 
which he shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> but yeah. but alas, right, you have this group of dwarves called the Dispossessed who are currently living in the cities of Sigmar amongst um, the other races for the sake of good, right? For the, for, for, for the sake of order. Yeah. And when I think about a dwarf in the cities of Sigmar, I think of like Gimli, right? And like the uh, Fellowship of the Ring, right? Where he's like, he's working with elves and humans and hobbits and he's okay with it, right? Because they're mm-hmm. all working for toward this order, toward a good purpose, right? And so I'm a fan of the Dispossessed primarily because of that. <coughs> Yeah, and then second, right? I would say I'm a fan of the Fire Slayers, as my next choice, and then lastly, um, would so be for, K, would be KO for me. Yeah. So for our listeners who aren't super well versed in uh, Age of Sigmar, who are the Fire Slayers and who are KO? Right. So um, there were two dwarven gods. The first was Grimnir, and the second one was Grungni. It's spelled G-R-U-N-G-N-I. Grungni. Uh, Grimnir was a passionate, violent warrior who's glory-driven with fire and aggression, right? So, uh, during the Age of Chaos, um, Grim, uh, Grimnir went to Sigmar and said, I need something to do, right? <laughs> Effectively. Yeah. And, uh, so Sigmar tells Grimnir, go fight Volk- Volcatrix, Volcatrix, who is this beast of a, of a, dragon kind of like a giant fire breathing god dragon if you were and so there's this huge so Grimnir he's excited because he's got something to do right so they have this huge battle right they both kind of explode if you will meaning that there's such ferocity in this in this battle that they shatter literally and so you take the essence of a god and the, and, the, and Volcatrix explodes into a pile of gold and their essences combine, and you have gold fused with the god essence, and it explodes across the mortal realms, right? And now fire slayers, they have deterred, they've, they've um, discovered that if they take this ur-gold, which is what you call this gold that's fused with, with their god's essence, yep. that they can do things with it. It can make their weapons more powerful when the runes are applied to the weapons with the gold. When it's melted and put into their weapons, they can... They can put runes on their skin, and it, it gives them power, so they can be stronger, hit harder, fight more fiercely. And because that gold, that ur gold, is has their god's essence in it, they want all of it, right? They want to collect their god, if you, as, it, as it were. So they will literally do anything to go and find this ur gold, yeah. so that they can use their god's power, which is Grimnir, right? And uh, so. There's magma droths in Fire Slayers, which are like these big dragons that they can ride. Yep. And those are sort of like the sons of Volcatrix, I think is how that's 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 worded. So they're, they they work together, right? The sons of Volcatrix and the sons of Grimnir, the Fire Slayers, to go and to, to collect this Urgold. And the funny thing about, <coughs> about the Fire Slayers is they will do anything to get this Urgold, mm-hmm. um, meaning that they they are honorable. Um, they are all the characteristics that a dwarf would be, but they will do bad for the sake of good, meaning that they yeah. would, they would go and they would ally with somebody to do maybe let's say a bad deed as a mercenary. Yep. But they're doing it for the sake of good. 
and that they need to get the essence of their their god right collected so because of that they're driven maybe to do things that maybe dispossessed dwarves in the realm of sigmar may you know raise an eyebrow at but at the end of the day they're doing it for the right reasons so that's, yeah, I was gonna um, say they're pretty they're pretty mercurial you know. in the sense that like they'll do anything for that Urgol. So you'll you could see them allying with demons or allying with uh you know ogres or something like that right. just to get that get that sweet, sweet Urgold. Right, and then I could see right as soon as that as soon as they have that Urgold, they're gonna smash that bloodletter skull, right? Because again, they need to get that Urgold. And for good or bad, they're getting they're gonna get that. But they're yep. again they're doing bad for a good reason. So right. All right. Then you've got the Ko, which is Caradrin Overlords, mm-hmm. right? And uh, during the Age of Chaos, right? Um, many people fled. Many people stayed in fight, right? In this case, the Ko, who were sort of the sons of Grungni, um, he kind of influenced them in their creativity, and they have the sky vessels. They took to the skies. Just sort of got out of dodge. Yeah, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, and in the meantime, Grungni hasn't been very a very good father to them, to be to be honest with you. So they feel like he's kind of sort of left them hanging, let he's abandoned them, um, because he hasn't he didn't help them in their time of need when they really needed it. Um, so they really, uh, I think the Ko feel like they don't need their god to be successful. And uh, occasionally, Grungni will try to try to include himself, right? Kind of like the uh, like the, the the father who wasn't there, but he still wants to come around every now and then, you know, and be counted as part of the group, right? right. He kind of every now and then he'll p- pop his head in to make sure that his kids are doing okay, whether they want him to be there or not. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, <laughs> the absentee father. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, right. Right. So he's abandoned them. Um, I think that he's a better father than Teclas. But I yep. wouldn't say not a whole lot better. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but having said that, right, I'm not a huge fan of the KO either. So I think Grungni and I get along great. So I think that generally they got there's better things to do than to to mess with the KO. Which um, now which those is, ones, yeah, the KO dwarves, man, those guys are definitely all about that Urgold and the right. profit, right? Like. They're like to the letter contracts. Like they'll go make contracts with anyone that will give them that sweet, sweet Urgold. So, um, but they're you know, like you said, like like they're up in the sky. They're flying around and flying ships and stuff like that. So they're kind of like sky dwarves. Sky dwarves. They they go after what's called ether gold. Yeah. Which is the gold that that lets their vessels actually float. Like that's how they're. That's where. That's what they use to uh, to take flight in. Is they right. they use that that aether gold as a resource that gives them the ability to move above the clouds, right? Yep, yep. And so, they, like you said, they will do anything to get that, um, and that <clears throat> that is just what what gives them flight, which is pretty cool. All right, again, I have a lot of respect for them in terms of lore because they went and did things on their own, right? They literally yeah. the neglected child that figured it out for themselves. Right. right, and said, "Hey, I don't need you, Dad. We got this figured out." Um, but they do. They're they're not in a mine. Right, they're not hitting stuff with hammers. Right, they're not soup. In my opinion, they are less honorable than like the fire slayers are because fire slayers are doing this for uh, a reason, not their own reason. Does that make sense? Yep. yep. Um, where Ko, it's all about their. Um, merit the amount of gold that they have the deeds that they've done it's it's a very self-indulged uh lore 
where mm-hmm. the fire slayers they still um, uh, give obeisance to a god, right? That you know, right. that uh, they're just doing what they need to do to keep their god in their life happy and whatever. And for me, that brings them closer to traditional dwarves than these guys in the skies with guns, right? Yeah, uh, which is very anti-dwarf to me, but it's. They're dwarf cousins. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what's interesting, so like you look at, um, you know, the Lord of the Rings and it obviously had a very heavy, Tolkien had a very, very heavy influence on, um, you know, Warhammer, like the old dwarf. world. Yeah, I mean, everything dwarf. Like they, they became the archetype. I would say like uh, you know Bilbo, uh, Bilbo and the and the twelve dwarves that he was like heading out with, and then you've got Gimli, right? Like they became the right. archetype of like what dwarves should and are. And I mean Tolkien based his stuff heavily off of like we said the Norse and Germanic mythology, especially the um, especially the uh the Anglo-Saxon mythology, because a lot of, a lot of Tolkien's writings was written from like that British perspective, you know? So like the men of Rohan were like the Anglo-Saxons, the men of Gondor were like the Britons that were there, you know? Uh, and then you've got, you know, stuff like the dwarves and the elves and things like that, that were part of that lore that was out there, that mythology that existed on the British Isles that were brought there from, you know the the Celtic tribes from the Anglo-Saxon tribes from, you know, uh, the French like the Gallic French tribes like all all that kind of stuff. So the right. Romans as well. So he kind of had a wealth of knowledge to to drive derive this kind of dwarvish archetype from. But boy, like you look at um, you look at uh, Dragon Age video games. It's a Tolkien-esque dwarf. You look at The Witcher. They're not as tokenist, like they're not digging in the mines and stuff like that, but they're still very oriented against like commerce and trade and industrialness and things like that, right? right even though right. they may live on the surface. And like you said, Age of Sigmar, like very, and, and even the Warhammer Fantasy, like very tokenist dwarves. Like you, it's hard to break that stereotype, I think, because once you, once you start messing with a, a, the dwarf stereotype, you're in another race. You're in a different group, right? Which I think is, which I think the KO are trying to do, or yeah. a little bit, right? Because yeah. again, right, one of the things that I wrote down for a dwarf, right, is a warrior, right? Yeah. And I, I'm sorry, but there's not a single model in the KO army that I think is described as a warrior. Nope. I mean, you've got right. the Arcanot Company. Hmm, I mean, maybe. Like, to me, like a, a yeah, like yeah, so. It's it's easily seen in the other Dwarden races in Warhammer. And yeah. KO, I maybe got to squint my eyes a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those yeah. guys a warrior. I agree. So, I agree. Um, anywho, um, and then you got Dispossessed, right? And I talked about them a little bit, right? They're the ones who, during the Age of Chaos, right, uh, Sigmar said, everybody um, go to Azir, right? And so they went with all the other human species and elven species, to the cities of Sigmar where they lived for a long time, right? And mm-hmm. they worked together and they crafted and they helped with the cannons, even though they're not in Warhammer right now. And everything else, the dwarf ingenuity, they kept for humanity's sake, right? For the right. For order for order's sake. So like I said, they're like the Gimli's, right? For They're willing to work with everybody else for the sake of good, and which is what yep. I think a dwarf, a dwarf would definitely be able to be willing to do. 
um, and they are just driven to be good. And yeah. uh, they they are obviously the sons of Gr- Grungni and um, Grimnir, but they are more of a of a of a, of a well rounded dwarf. How's that? For in my opinion, that they kind of are both warriors, but they also have the the artisanship, right? The, from uh, from uh, Grungni, where they are just helping to fight and helping to build in the cities of Sigmar. So, yeah. for me, right, dispossessed are still the real dwarves. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. In Warhammer, but like yeah. I said, I, I do really, really like Fire Slayers. Now, when they first came out, I was not a fan. Um, I used to have an all Slayer army mm-hmm. in in Warhammer eight eight right? all all Slayers. Yeah. And uh, Fire Slayers was just very different. It's like, what's wrong with my Slayers? Why are they got to be Fire Slayers, right? But the way right. the war works out, I'm actually a fan. I think they're they're a good army. Definitely number two on my list for dwarven armies for yeah. Warhammer. All right, so well, let's shift gears a little bit. What? Uh, let's talk RPGs. So you've played a few RPGs. Like, where? What kind of RPG do you think you like the dwarves in the best? Like what character role? Well, um, yeah, I mean, you can talk about I mean, character like role. Dwarf is usually what dwarf is a paladin, a cleric. Yeah, or or, or like what are or a fighter, right? Yeah, yeah, so you could you could talk about you could talk about character, um, or you could talk about system. Like, what system do you like the interpretation of the dwarf in the best? Um, and if you haven't played a lot, then talk about like what character you like using dwarves as. Yeah, so I think that um, man, I don't know. Like I just have like dwarf in my brain, right? Like like kind of the words I gave you right before yeah. describing what I think a dwarf is, yep. right? So like if you're gonna play an RP and RPG, if I, and you ask me to play a dwarf, or I decide to play a dwarf, right? Yeah. My dwarf is gonna be a an ale drinking, beard wearing, <laughs> you know, if he's able yeah. to gunpowder shooting engineer guy who hits things with hammers when he's too far when he has to get close, yeah. right? Uh, that's what a dwarf to me is gonna be. So that could lend its you know its way to being you know, a lot of things, but to me, like cleric is the first thing that comes up, right? Some kind of a, a healer yeah. that can hit things with a hammer, right? And maybe a berserker if he takes off his shirt, right? Runs around one of his three armors, right? Heavily armored, light armored, and then no armor. <laughs> right, exactly. So I think um yeah. I think that like World of Warcraft has really kinda helped solidify mm. the again stereotypes of dwarf stuff, right? You talked about running around in that and like mining all the time and feeling very thematic yep. while you did it, right? It, absolutely. I the whole time I was like, I am a dwarf yeah. living on mine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was that remember that dwarf the diggy diggy hole song? Do you remember yes. that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I would funny. literally play that while I mined with my dwarf at the same so time. So funny. It was pretty funny. Well I did want to give a shout out to the Shadow of the Demon Lord. Um, because he, Robert Schwab there wrote a supplement called for golden glory. And it was just Mm. all about like creating awesome dwarves in the shadow of the demon Lord and his supplements. If you haven't ever seen them before, his supplements are like $2 each and they're about, let's see, it's about 17 pages and like, I don't know, eight pages of it is like background and lore. And then like the other nine pages of it, it's going to be like how to build, how to build a character with extra tables and options and things like that. It's a great value for $2 because like his lore stuff is fantastic. And I just want to kind of like hit some high points from his PDF that he has. So their dwarves uh, are pretty, I mean, again, they follow the stereotypical model. They're short, they're stout. 
everybody's got facial hair, including the women. Um, they've got more hair in the armpits and groin, though, um, interestingly. Mm. And uh, they, mm. they got involved in... Um, like they got involved in the, the troll wars at one point where the trolls were coming out of the, you know, mountains and into kind of their strongholds. And so they kind of, their population was reduced for a little bit because they were just like busy fighting trolls all the time. Um, but you know, they've got like the long lives, they've got the typical like dwarven strongholds that are under the mountains and all of that stuff. Uh, they, uh, see ghosts like their dwarven ghosts like wander the halls and it's not uncommon for them to interact with their uh, honored dead and in fact like that's part of their culture is like that their honored dead are always with them so it's kind of interesting uh, they still have the industriousness in all things but getting into this this is what I love the wrinkle that uh, that Robert Schwab gives they have towering pride there's like a half a page dedicated to how prideful these dwarves are and like you better not like make fun of them you better not try to like you know challenge them or whatever because it's just like their racial trait that they have that they are just they don't back down you know what i mean and so don't do it um the and the other aspect of it is they have overpowering greed so it they've got this like trait inside of them that they can't help it and uh, here's one of the – I want to kind of read one of the rules here. Um, it says, dwarves in madness's grip find uh, find the lust for gold grows unbearable and find it harder and harder to resist the impulses to take whatever valuables they find. Gold lust is a common dwarven affliction that arises in those who have suffered great strain and stress. Dwarves pity those who succumb to this malady and do their best to guide them back to sanity, and if they fail, lock them away before they bring shame on themselves. So – um, one of the mechanics in Shadow of the Demon Lord is they have a, a major sanity mechanic, right, that can make you go mad. Um, so when a dwarf would go mad, roll a d6. On an even number, roll a d20 to determine the form of the madness um, takes as normal. On an odd number, the, war- the dwarf becomes afflicted with gold lust. And gold lust is that if you can see an object worth one gold coin or more, you become impaired until you take that object. That's and at awesome. the end of each minute, roll a d6, a roll of five or higher will end the madness, right? So uh, impaired means that you can only take a slow turn in that game and that you roll with um, a bane, which can, like, lower your score. So basically anything that is worth one gold coin. So if you're fighting a dude who's got, like, a fancy dagger, like, all he has eyes for is that dagger, you know? And so he's going to go attack that guy. He's going to try to get that knife or that dagger um, and until he does so, he's going to be impaired. So, um, yeah, what what's interesting is if you would gain a long-term madness, which is, like, um, pretty much permanent, um, if you roll an odd number, you get, like, uh, gold, ter- gold less long-term. And so what this does in long-term is you lust for precious metals and stones. Uh, your lust for precious metals and stones overpowers you. Whenever you see an item worth at least one gold coin, you must get success on a will challenge roll or become impaired until you take it. So um, even like social encounters, you could like be freaking out a little bit. So anything worth one gold mm-hmm. coin, you freak out. Um, so I that has come up where like I've had players in my campaigns playing dwarves and they see something, right? Uh, well, they would go mad 
and all of a sudden they just started lusting after the gold and like they're just like all right i'm out and like they'd like run to the other side of the room to go pick up that like <laughs> golden thing that they see and their friends are like dude what are you doing like we need you in this fight and they're just like nope gotta go pick up the gold so um and in a in a total robert schwab um twist for those who know robert schwab he doesn't just put on his like oh these are like happy dwarves living in the mountains um their background is called grimnir's curse so they also have a god that's called grimnir right and mm -hmm. um they used to uh they used to like serve grimnir um, but they weren't like always short, stout, and hairy. Like they were uh, Grimnir and the other dark gods. They formed them as like the striking regal people who were tall, statuesque, and like perfect in every way. Like they were almost like what the elves were. You know what I mean? <laughs> and um, and uh, what happened was they started to get a little prideful and envious of the dark gods. So they went up on top of the tallest mountain. And they started building a giant tower to reach the gods. So basically a tower of Babel, right? And the dark gods saw what was happening and they basically cursed them. And um, and it made them short and stout and ugly. And they had to kind of live with that for the rest of their days. So, yeah. So that's how the dwarves yeah, were I made. Think, I, I think I played... I've only played a dwarf... A few times in any RPG other than D&D. Okay, so. yeah. But, um, but I mean, again, like no, you, you start messing around with it, right? If they're not short and they're tall, they're going to be a human, right? So, like, you have to have them short. Um, if they're not, ang if they're not like, angry little dwarves or, like, sweet little dwarves, and, okay, that's a little different. Like, I guess they're a gnome at that point. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. dwarves <laughs> are kind of aggressive, right? You yeah. Know? Yeah, right. So it's almost like you have to play into the stereotype because if you don't, there's other races that like would fit that description better. You know, like a right. night again, a nice dwarf is a halfling. Like it's a hobbit. You know what I mean? Like that's a nice dwarf. Um, you know, a greed like a, a uh, kind of cowardly dwarf is. Uh... But hobbits don't have beards, so they don't. Qualify, yeah, exactly. Right? That's true. Yeah, take the take the beard away, and you got a hobbit, right? So. Um, take away their bravery and courage and you've got uh you've got a um uh a gnome basically right. you know so yeah it, like once you start adjusting like what the dwarves are you can't like mess around too much or else you turn them into something they're they're not right take away their their hammers and their warrior and Oh wait, those are KO. <laughs> gotcha. Just yeah. kidding. All right, so uh, we obviously know dwarves and they're portrayed well in the movies. Like, what's your favorite dwarf movie? Hmm, my favorite dwarf movie? Yeah. And I don't know, like, The Hobbit got such a bad reception initially, and people I think are growing on it later. I just watched it uh, a few weeks yeah. ago, and um, I really just enjoy watching them. Um, I gotta watch it. I guess I gotta uh, watch it again. I just wish it. Right, right, right. It, sh yeah. it should have been two movies, though. That was my issue with it. It's like, it didn't need to be three. But maybe I'm wrong. Mm. Mm. There was another dwarf movie that I saw. Let me see if I can remember what it was called. That I really liked, actually. Um, I think it is called Blood on the Mountain. Okay. 
No, that's that's not it. <laughs> that's something else. That's some weird West Virginia West Virginia thing. Um, there, there's <laughs> sorry guys, that's funny. Um, no, there's a dwarf movie on Netflix, and it's these three dwarves, and they're they're mining in the in a cave, okay. effectively. And while they're down there, they encounter some monsters and some other things, and it's pretty pretty cool, pretty cool movie. Um, I'll see. I'll see if I can find it. What's your favorite dwarf movie? So. I'm gonna go kind of non non canon on this one, and you're gonna you're gonna roast me for it. I know you are, but that's okay. I was gonna say Willow. Well, but here's a problem, I, and I realize yeah. Willow's really like they're not dwarves; they're hobbits, right? They're halflings more than they're dwarves. If you think about it. Yes. Yep. Right. I, think I would I would say that's probably right. Yeah. But. Um, I love that the fact that they just call Willow Peck in the <laughs> throughout the movie, right? Peck, Peck, come here, Peck. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, <sighs> like, there's just I guess there's just not a lot of dwarf movies out there that you're just like, wow, that was a really good dwarf movie. So there's a dwarf movie, and like it does. If you guys have watched, you know, we're all nerds here. So like the Mythica series, right, on like Amazon Prime. So the I found the name of the movie. It's called Dwarves of Dragon Mountain. Okay. And it's on Amazon Prime. So if you have, it's it's definitely worth watching. And so it says, in a fantasy world, four dwarves are mining in the dangerous Dragon Mountain when a sudden explosion causes a cave-in, trapping the dwarves inside. Dun, dun, dun. Epic and truly suspenseful. I thought it was really, I thought it was cool, man. Like it's, I watched that movie and I was like, wow, this is a movie about dwarves. Yeah. Like just dwarves. Like it's not about a bunch of elves and humans. This is a movie about four dwarves stuck in a mountain and it wasn't terrible. So I would, I would recommend watching it if you like dwarves. Um, I think, okay. I think, um, what about time bandits? <laughs> that's that's actually pretty good. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I mean, yep, they're yeah, they're yep, kind of yep. like not your classic like dwarves, but still though they're dwarves, right? They're dwarves. Definitely qualifies. For and sure. definitely. Qualifies. And, and in the description, it definitely it, it they 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 call them dwarves. So, Time Bandits is a yep. great movie for sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So that's yep. a like I said, Gimli's probably one of my favorite dwarves, and he's Lord of the Rings. So yeah, we'll put him in there and. Uh, so it's interesting you say that because um, I I actually preferred um, not Gimli I preferred uh, what's his name from Thorin or something else uh, or uh, Hobbit or yeah from the Hobbit what was his name uh, I'm blinking on it right now it is uh, so what are all the Hobbit dwarf names uh, uh, Thranduil. No, no, Thranduil was the, uh, dang it, I'm looking it up right now. It was Dwalin. Right. It's Dwalin, right? Dwalin, yeah, 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 the, bald, yep. the bigger, taller, bald one with the hammer, yep. right? Yep, totally, yep. yep. Like, yep, he's yep. great. He was, he was good. He's totally great. All, that is a dwarf, my friend. Yeah, yep. yeah, and, and a lot of the, um, a lot of the great, uh, uh, a lot of the great dwarves, like, are there in, like, even in the book, The Hobbit, like, they all have such great personalities. 
there. And right. I thought that Tolkien did a good job of like giving them their unique identities, oh. even though you've got like you know a bunch of these guys. So, um, yeah, Bal- uh, Dwalin was great. Uh, Balin was good too. You know, so and you, who who didn't like the Dori Nori Ori guy? You know, like the right. like, like the brothers, right, kind of thing. So. Yeah. So I also was uh, last week. I was listening to the um, the Hobbit on the audio. Okay. Uh, so Andy is it Circus Circus, the guy who played Gollum. Oh yeah, Andy Circus. Yeah. Circus, right? He actually does the entire audio book no of the Hobbit Whoa. on on Audible. So definitely, I recommend you pick it up. I was listening to it last week, and it was amazing. Yeah. It was so great, and he's got such a great voice, and he doesn't always sound like Gollum. Right, so like yeah. when he does Gandalf, he does a really good job with the voice for Gandalf. So, highly recommend. Nice, it. very good, very good. All right, well, uh, let's see. If we're talking dwarves, uh, you you alluded that you're going to be taking a dwarven a dwarven list up to the boys. Why don't you? I am. I'm taking yeah. all dwarves, which is Nothing which is rare, but dwarves. So I don't think yeah. if our listeners don't play Age of Sigmar, which some of them don't. I don't think that you appreciate how rare this is because in the cities of Sigmar, you can kind of mix and match um, some of your units a little bit. Yeah, like over 100, maybe 100 units. Or yeah, and so that, like if they do bring them, they're just bringing the shooting dwarves if, or they might just bring right. like the, the shield dwarves, right? Yeah. Like nobody really runs a all-dwarf all army. And part of it is they're a little slow and very and slow. movement is very movement is king. In Age right. of Sigmar, right? In in pretty much all tabletop games. Yeah, movement is king. Because if you can't get to where you even even Warcry. Yep. Oh, totally. Warcry, it's huge. Totally. Totally huge. Yeah. Right. Huge. Yeah. So um, so dwarves used to be their own faction, right? Yep. In Warhammer. Yep. And the world world of Warhammer Fantasy dwarves were their own faction. So this army was my attempt at bringing all dwarf army that i would say this is the old dwarf faction nice. i'm playing it like a dwarf army there is no human ally in here there's no um there's no elves there's no nothing it's just dwarves um because of the limited abilities for the dwarves in the book um i gave my dwarf rune lord um i, I don't want to call them spells Right, because dwarves don't generally have spells. Yeah. So I tried to give him abilities that would be more let that would be more like abilities and less like spells. Okay. Um. So I'll I'll start the list with my general. So he's a rune lord, right? He's ninety five points. Um. He has a command trait uh, that gives all friendly units. So the city I'm playing is called Tempest uh-huh. Eye, and the army itself has its own bonuses that I'll re- I'll review in just a minute. But I'll start with just the, 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 the leader, my general first. Um, so he has a command trait called Hawkeye, which gives plus one to wound for all uh, shooting dispossessed, which is the what they call dwarves, yeah. right, in Cities of Sigmar, units wholly within 12 inches. So any of my units shoot something, they get plus one to wound automatically just for being wholly within 12 inches of him, which is pretty cool. Um, I give him Arcane Tome so that he can take a spell. Um, but the spells I take, I take one called uh, Strike of Eagles, which I'm imagining, right, this dwarf calling eagles, right, maybe some hand yeah. gestures, doing the caca, yep, right, yep. some kind of, a, he's calling a strike of eagles on, on the enemy. 
So the eagles come down, and for that, it's a, it goes off on a 7. So, again, it's not super easy to get off, right? Um, it goes off on a 7, 30-inch range. I roll six dice for every four plus. You take a mortal yeah. wound. So, again, it's not like a game-breaking spell. I'm not doing it to try to, to meta this guy. Um, I wanted to give him some abilities and spells were the best way for me to be able to – for him to have an impact yeah. on the battlefield. Um, and because uh, I am – I, I'm running a warlord uh, battalion. I, I'm getting a second spell with him, and that is called Aura of Glory. And so this, I can imagine a rune lord like yelling at his dwarven warriors around him and encouraging them. And so what this does, it gives uh, cities of Sigmar units, which in this case is all dwarves, plus one attack if they are wholly within wow. 12 inches of him. So he's like you know, encouraging them to fight harder, fight stronger, yeah. you know. And so these are his two spells that I gave him, trying to keep with the, what I think is a Dwarven theme. Um, and then he's got two prayers. Uh, he has Curse, which is uh, you roll a four plus, and, he, and you pick an enemy within nine inches, and six is to hit, do mortal wounds. Um, he also has uh, the choice of two other prayers on his War Scroll, Ancestral Shield, which goes off on a two plus, and you get a six up ward save for a friendly unit. And Forge Fire, which is on a 2+, plus, you give a friendly unit plus 1 to their rend, mm. which can be huge. That can be plus 1 rend for melee or plus 1 rend for shooting. It's plus 1 rend to the attacks of yeah. the unit, so it counts for both. Um, then I have a second Rune Lord. He has the Healing Prayer, which allows him to heal a, a friendly unit within 12 inches, uh, D3 mm -hmm. wounds. Um, so I've got that. And then I have a Warden King who uh, a lot of people don't take. He is a dwarf guy who stands on an oath. He has an oath stone ability, which I find to be really, really useful um, in the current meta of World of War, or of, I said World of, War, <laughs> of Warhammer, Age yeah. of Sigmar. What it is in his hero, in your hero phase, you declare that he's not going to move and he's going to stand atop his oath stone. And so that means he can't move for the rest of your turn. Yeah. And as long as he stays on that oath stone until your next hero phase, there are no battle shock tests for cities of Sigmar units. Sorry, uh, for dispossessed units, wholly within 18 inches of wow. him. So yeah, what you that do was is you brutal, draw a 36 inch bubble, right? You draw this great big circle around him. Try to keep your units in that 18 inch bubble if you yeah. can, at least for the first couple of turns, and you ignore all battle shock yeah. tests, which is great. And then he also has the ability that you can use in the combat phase, called ancestral grudge, right? Which uh, the dwarves of old, right, kept a book of grudges, right. So if you were, if you wronged the dwarves, they would write your name in the book of grudges, and then they would, they would, um, eventually get their revenge yeah. on you, right. Um, so it's called ancestral grudge, and he chooses for one for a command point. You choose an enemy unit within eighteen inches. Your whole army has plus one attack against that unit in combat for yeah. that turn. So you have to be yeah. close to it, right? You have to be fighting it, right? But So that means, so I use this because I can double this with the ability of my Rune Lord, right? Remember, the Rune Lord has the Aura of Glory, which gives plus one attack to everything within yep. 12 oh, inches. Oh, I remember. And then I can use his ability, Ancestral Grudge, to give another plus yeah. one attack. So it only works for Dispossessed for his ability, but that gives me plus two attacks for some of my units in, the, in combat. So it makes Dwarves very yeah. fighty. Um, which is what dwarves should be. Uh, for my battle line, I have almost everything in my list is battle line, which is kind of funny. 
um, but it's just the way that it works out. So I've got 20 iron drakes, which are great for shooting. I have uh, 10 iron drakes. They have a the iron drakes have a 16 inch gun. There's threes and threes minus one one damage, and then they also have a torpedo, which is uh, threes and threes minus uh, minus two damage, minus two rend, sorry, and d3 damage if it's a regular unit, or d6 damage if nice. it is a monster. And iron drakes have a special ability that if there's no enemy units within three inches of them, um, they get an extra an extra shot. So they get two shots with their ever drake gun, and they also get um, two shots with their tor- their torpedo. But they can't move that. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Right. So so they have to stay stationary, right, and then shoot. Yeah. If they want the extra shot, uh, they also get plus one save against all enemy shooting mm-hmm. units, which is pretty awesome because when you have a unit that shoots and you get bonuses against other shooting units. That's almost always oh, yeah. a great thing. So I have a unit of 20, and I have a unit of 10. Then I have uh, 20 hammers, 20 hammers, um, and hammers. I have two units of 20 hammers, and they have an ability called King's Guard. If they find themselves outside that 18-inch bubble of my warden, as long as they are wholly within 12 inches of any dwarf hero, um, they don't have to take Battleshock. So they can be sort of stoic yeah. on their own and not have to worry about Battleshock. And for them, uh, they have two attacks each, threes and threes minus one, one damage. And any sixes to wound cause mortal wounds in addition to regular damage. So I really like to take these guys and either give them the extra rend or give them the extra two attacks or give them all of the above. And they really become crazy. Yeah. Right? And they have a four-up armor save base. I got two units of those guys. Then I have a unit of of ten iron breakers, a unit of of twenty iron breakers, and another unit of ten iron breakers. And Iron Breakers have a three-up armor save base, which is the best thing they have going yeah. for them. Um, they have a three-up armor save base. They have two attacks each. Their attack profile is not great, um, and they don't have any rend, but they are the anvil that they can hold you up while I shoot you with my Iron Drakes or countercharge you with my hammers. Yeah. And it's hard to chew through 20 Iron Breakers that come with a three-up armor save base. And then I have... Um, my champion in those units has a Cinder Blast Bomb, which means once per game, on a 2+, I get to do D3 Mortal Wounds to an enemy unit uh, within 8 inches, which yeah. is pretty great. Um, I'm trying to remember. It might be 6 inches. Uh, trying to recall that right now. I should, I should have that memorized and for some reason. Slip in my brain. But, but it, um, I mean, it's a, good, and, it's a good list. It's very resilient. Um, you've got some tricks up your right. sleeve in terms of movement, which benefits you greatly. Um, yep. yeah. and then I also have two gyrocopters, right, which have 16-inch move and a steam right. gun. So I've got two gyrocopters, kind of just a real quick one more time through the list, two gyrocopters, 10 iron breakers, 10 iron breakers, 20 iron breakers, two units of 20 hammers, 10 iron drakes, 20 iron drakes, a warden king, a rune lord, and a mm-hmm. rune lord. And then my army, because I'm playing Tempest Eye, they get plus three movement for first round. So that means that my my uh, four-inch movement dwarves become seven-inch movement dwarves for round one. They always get plus one to their run, no matter for the entire yeah. game. And then all of my units also have musicians, which give them inherently a plus one to their run, which means on turn one, if I roll a six, my dwarf units can move 15 inches wow. with their run. So now I've got very fast-moving dwarves on turn yeah. one. And I have plus one to my armor save for all of round one. So my iron breakers go to two ups. My my warriors go to four ups. And my hammers go to four ups, right? Um, I go to two ups before modifiers against shooting on my iron drakes. So 
there's just lots of really great things about it. I also have the ability to run and shoot with a unit called Rapid mm-hmm. Redeploy. As long as my shooting unit is wholly within 12 inches of a dwarf hero, I can run and shoot with them, which can also be really great. So that means on turn one, I can take my shooting unit if I wanted to, and I could literally run them 15 inches and then shoot. Yeah. So I've done a 15-inch move and then shot 16 inches. So that's a 31-inch threat range with shooting, and I deploy it 11 or 12 inches. That's that's the table, right? So that's pretty great. Yeah, when we played the other day, um, they got right up in my face right away, which uh, kind of made some strategic choices a little tough. So um, I wish you the best up at Du Bois with this list. I think it's going to catch quite a few people by surprise. You know, because I, I just don't think that a lot of people, one, are playing against uh, Cities of Sigmar. And if they are, it's uh, not this list. <laughs> it's not all dwarves, right? Yeah. So I, I have 12 drops, which is good or bad. Yeah. Take it or leave it. And I'm I'm 1975, so I'm down 25 Okay. Points. So, but um, I don't have any long beards in my list. Mm-hmm. That's uh, really the only dwarf unit that I'm not using. They are five points cheaper than the iron than the iron breakers, um, and they're they have half as many attacks. They do have some special abilities that I think aren't at great. I'll take the two up for the mortal wounds, for the uh, the cinder mm-hmm. blast bomb, and the extra armor save over the uh, the long beard. So and that's only five points more for the iron breakers. And even if I were to, I'm down twenty five points. So I were to go to long beard, it's not going to give me enough points to give me anything meaningful in my list that I don't already have. So, right. No long beards for okay. me today, but uh, they're still yeah. they're okay. So when I look at Warcry, um, they suffer from a little bit of the same issue that you have in Age of Sigmar. The dwarves only have three movement, you know, which they're stunty legs, right? Like they're not covering a lot of ground. So um, usually, if that's the case, you want to look to the abilities to help make up that gap. Um, if you recall, the list you played at our tournament had the protectors. Uh, they only had a three-inch move. Now they had the advantage of having a three-inch reach on their weapon, reach, so that right. kind of helped yep, it. Yep. But still, though, if they moved, they only were going three inches. So you kind of had to make it up with the ability, which you had that ability on a double dice that um, you could move, make a bonus move if somebody was injured within six inches of you. And you generally played those right. two models pretty closely together, so there was almost always someone who at least had one wound on them. And um, so. It's the same thing with the dwarves here, though, but they're on much smaller bases. So what do you do to do that? And I was just looking at them. If I were to choose, if I were to make up a warband of some of the dwarves here. Can you take a gyrocopter? Yes, you can. No? I would take one. I would take. I would, I would definitely put yeah, one Yeah, so they in. have a gyrocopter, gyro bomber, and their stats are almost identical. Yeah, the gyro bomber usually is slower. So in Age of Sigmar, the gyro bomber only has 12-inch yeah. movement, and the gyrocopter has 16. And so I choose the gyrocopter because of the extra movement, and with turn one, yep. I have plus three. So my gyrocopter is 19 wow. inches instead of, you know, 12. Yeah, in the in this book, the gyro bomber has two inches less of movement, but he's still a very respectable 10 inches, which is like half the board, right. you know, so. Right, and you're playing on a smaller board too, right? <laughs> yeah, um, he does have a lot more attacks. Um, which kind of helps with the whiffiness. The problem is, is both of them, they, they don't have great damage output. Um, their damage output's right. kind of weak. And so what that means, though, is that you, like, I would use them, 
How many points is a gyrocopter? Hold on. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, gyrocopter is 195, so he he'd be like a fifth of your list. You know. I don't know. It might it might be just worth having him yeah. just to have something that you can run off the table in some of the scenarios, and your enemy has to worry about it, right? Yeah. What's I mean, the so the movement of the gyrocopter is twelve. Yeah, like the gyrocopter goes twelve inches. He's one hundred ninety-five points. The gyro bombers two twenty points. Goes ten inches. Um, I I do like the thing is is you're not taking him for their damage, right? So, I would right. rather save thirty points or twenty-five points, and get yep. the extra movement because that what you're doing with them is just trying to get them on the board. Either they're kind of a threat because they can move so far. Um, they don't yep. have the mount trait that other mounted units do, which means that they can grab objectives and fly away, which is huge. Right. So I think, yeah, I would definitely go for the copter just for the extra yep. movement. And sometimes having something that's really fast, even if the unit that you're you're threatening can yeah. kill you, now that unit has to spend his turn killing you instead of and a catching up, right? and catching up to him sometimes, right? Right. 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 So I think that. Um, if you're not playing him for this for the for the combat, then stay with that plan yeah. and play for the. Mission. Now, um, there's other uh, units in here, and the nice thing about the dwarves is that they are high on the damage output. Generally, the base of the dwarves are like damage two with a crit of damage five, four or five, which is I mean decent for a lot of them are around 130 or 120 to 100 point models. Your little things like your normal hammer or iron breaker, they're like 60 to 75 to 80 points. Um, but they still wow. have pretty good damage output. Like your hammer is 80 points, three attacks, strength four, twos, and five damage, which is actually pretty good. Um, so I'd be taking a couple of those guys. Uh, you know, just uh, you, you almost want to try to play a numbers game when you've got slow guys because once they get to an objective, then they're going to overwhelm, you know. Right, and you can run and work. You can run and work. Yeah, it's right just too, a right? double movement. Now, I will say this: right. what I would do is there's um, different cities that they can be from. Right, there's the Tempest Eye, there's Hollow Heart, there's the Living City, there's the mm -hmm. Phoenicium, um, there's uh, let's see, Greywater Fastness, uh, Living City, and Hammer Hall. Uh, so, what I would actually want to do is not have them come from Hammer Hall. That kind of plays into their so the abilities in Hammer Hall plays into their strengths. Like it's like all about like adding strength and adding uh, you know adding attacks and stuff like that, which is great. But you need them to move. So right. Well, I think there is again. If you're wanting to go all, we're talking all yeah. dwarves, right? Yep. So I think that um, does Tempest Eye and Warcry give them extra movement? So Tempest Eye is a good one. Uh, I was going to say that the Living Cities. There's a double that gives them three to their next move action, so mm. essentially That's they could great. like have a basically a, a bonus Doubles. move, right? It's part of their one action for a double. Does that mean they could go? That means they could go twelve inches if they bonus. No, because no? it only says that it affects their next move action, so they could go six gotcha. and then they could go three, so they could still go nine inches. So they could go nine, which is good, right? Which is yeah. good. Um, yeah. There is one yeah. I do like Anvil Guard. Um, so yep. what this is, is yep. on a double, a fighter can only use this ability if it's the first battle round, which is fine because you want them to get into position, right? Until the fighter's next activation, 
add two to the move characteristic of this fighter and add one to the attacks characteristics of melee attacks made by this fighter. So that's a really, really good ability. Now, you can only use it in the first battle round, but you're essentially adding, you're turning their move three into a move five. I wonder if you define yourself in combat, though, with a move five. So you might. Uh, the problem is, is that, like, yeah, I mean, like, if you get there and you double move, then you got nothing left, right? So is it a, is it a five and a five? Yeah. they double move? So it'd be, like, ten inches. Okay. So you could, yeah. So it's one more inch, one inch more than the Tempest Eye. Yeah. But what's the bonus? What's the other bonus? It's the attack that you wouldn't right, be able to exactly. use. And then the Tempest Eye. Is there another bonus? That's is it. that it? What's the other bonus for Tempest it's Eye? It's just add three to that one move action. But that could be every turn. That's not just exactly. the first. Exactly. Yep. So I think that's the way yep. in between those yep. two. So, and they have a lot of overlapping abilities. It's not like um, one is like heavily favors the other. You know what I mean? So, yep. um, just yep. have them come from the living cities, and I think that that kind of, it's not as thematic, right? Because like you don't really associate dwarves with living cities, but um, generally, generally that's like your Gyron sort of area. You know what I mean? But still, though. Yep. Um, there's dwarves in all of these cities, so let them come from the living cities and let them move like crazy. And, uh, you know, you're kind of making up for their, their slow pace. And, uh, the nice thing about, the nice thing about, uh, a double is it's easy to make. Right? Yep. So. Yep. Very easy. You should be able to, you should have that almost You every should turn. have like a couple if you really needed it every turn, yep. so. Yeah. So very good. But, uh, yeah, that's where I would go. I, you know, with the, with the. Things I'd get a gyrocopter. I'd probably bring in the. Let's see, what's his name here? The Warden King. He's got some good damage on him, and uh, as a leader, like you want him there. And then I'd. Does he have abilities that buff up the guys around? Him? Uh, yeah, he does. He's got a bulwark, so he can do like a shield. Let me see. Let's see. If I'm in Living Cities, what does he have? Oh, there it is. Okay. So he can um, add one to the toughness characteristics of friendly fighters within three inches of him. So that makes him harder to hit, you know. Um, he yep. can um, add one to their attacks characteristics while they're within six inches of him. And, yeah, I mean, like, he's got, he's got some good stuff that he can do. So, yeah. Uh, so he's pretty good, and then, like I said before, I would kind of round them out with. Um, so I got the Warden King, the Gyro Bomber, and that's like um, 350 points. So then I'd get you know a couple of uh, Hammerers, maybe Longbeards. You take an Iron Drake for range. Yeah, an Iron Drake would be pretty good. I'd probably upgrade him though and take the, um, what is it, the Iron Beard with Drake Fire Pistol and Cinder Blast Bomb, maybe. Like, he's kind of like the that's, leader that, version. Yeah, that's the yeah. champion of... Yeah, so yeah, he's got a little bit better damage output and a little bit more, you know? So probably... Or the Iron Warden's actually better. The Iron Warden's where it's at. So... Because nice. he's got a range of 3 to 15. So he can shoot 15 inches. Guess what? We should play... War Let's play some Warcry and I'll play some go, dwarves. Buddy. Let's so, go. Yeah. So I, I think it'd be a lot of fun. A ton of fun with these guys. You just gotta, you just gotta match them up with the right ability to over, you know, to compensate for their slow movement. So. Yep. 
Yep. But uh, yeah, That's what it's all about exactly. So, well, do you have any uh, any parting thoughts about dwarves and gaming? I do, and um, so you know, I think that generally speaking, if you play a game with your dwarves, you're going to have a great time, and um, if you play a game with your dwarves a lot, you're going to win a lot. So you're going to be a better general for it. I really feel that way, that you can take an army that maybe to most people isn't that strong. You play it, you get good with it, your generalship is going to mm-hmm. improve, and you're going to win most of your games with your dwarf army. And uh, that's going to surprise all your enemies. They're all going to be on their on their back foot when they see you put them, those iron warriors on the table. That's right. right? Uh, that are honorable, they've got beards, they're drinking ale, they're wearing armor, they're engineers, they use gunpowder, and they have hammers, <laughs> right? Like, that is that is a win. That is a win. I don't care what tabletop game you're playing. Very good thoughts. I have one last honorable mention that I, that I want to kind of give a shout-out to, and this is a, a great dwarven board game. Uh, and I played it at your house, oh. Lincoln, um, mm, which is yes. uh, the Dwarven, um, Smi- Dor- Dwarven Smithy. That's a lot of fun. That's a, a really fun game. And it's very thematic, too. So, yep. Yep. Dwarven Smithy is sort of like, um, I want to, it's a, it's a, you're, you're Dwarven Smiths and you're crafting armor and items and weapons for yeah. the king. And so it's a competitive game, sort of like you're, crafting in world of mm-hmm. warcraft it's very similar to that i would say it's a ton of fun and you can find the game on ebay um that's the best place yeah. to look for it and i would get the deluxe edition so you can get the metal coins Oh, the metal coins it. make it's the awesome. make it it's an excellent game Highly yeah recommend. so 10 so out of 10. hopefully 10 out of 10. we gave everybody something if you're into age of sigmar lincoln went through some uh you know some uh cities of sigmar for you i went through some Warcry. we talked rpgs here's a great board game for you Look, dwarves are super iconic, and uh, just lean into them or, I guess, on them if you need to, right? <laughs> <laughs> lean on them. That's right. They'll, they'll hold you up. They're That's not right. They're very them. stout. That's for sure. That's for sure. And I, I've got some great um, Fire Slayers armies list for another yeah. time, but um, keep it dwarf, yeah, folks. Keep it, keep it. Keep on digging. <laughs> well thank you everybody for listening uh if you like the show share it with your friends and give us a rating on uh, itunes or spotify that uh, definitely helps the algorithms and helping people find the show we love uh we love when folks find us and, and listen to us it's uh, always uh, always a pleasure to see people kind of uh, enjoying the show a bit so thank you so much for listening and uh thank you lincoln for being on the show by the way all right you bet yep Happy everybody have a great night